Welcome to the Patriots and Pinstripes podcast, getting you up to speed with the latest in Somerset Patriots baseball. Here's your host, Stephen Cusimano. Welcome back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. I am the manager of media relations and broadcasting and play-by-play voice of the Patriots, Stephen Cusimano, and we've got a great show on tap today. We'll recap the week that was after a successful stint in Altoona, and we'll preview the road ahead as the Patriots return home during the week of May 17th to face the Reading Fightin' Phils, the AA affiliate of the Phillies. And we're also going to get to meet the newest member of the Patriots media relations team, Eli Fishman, a very familiar name to the New York Yankees minor league scene. Eli is our newest media relations intern, but is known for his work covering the Yankees minor league system from top to bottom for various different credible outlets, including Pinstripe Prospects, Prospects 1500, the Yes Network. So we are really, really excited to welcome Eli to Somerset for the 2022 season. We're going to get to know him very well. We'll have an in-depth chat about the Yankees minor league system and namely the players that are currently in Somerset, the ones that maybe we'll see in Somerset very soon. And we'll get to know Eli a little bit, chat about his aspirations and what got him to Somerset. And again, we're very excited to bring him on for the 2022 season. And it is one where the Patriots have kept it rolling, entering week six of the season, now with a record of 21-11, and 11, back to that season-high 10 games over 500, two and a half games over Hartford, entering play on Tuesday, May 17th, who has a 19-14 and 14 record, and the Patriots, entering the sixth week of the season, still have yet to lose a series. So they have been one of the dominant teams in all of minor league baseball, a plus 54 run differential. That is 34 runs higher than any other Eastern League team, and if you add up all the positive run differentials of every Every team in the Eastern League, it still does not equal to how much the Patriots have outscored their opposition. So it's been a very impressive season so far in a lot of ways. Top five in all of the minor leagues in earned run average and still leading the Eastern League in runs scored with 166. Tied for the league league with 44 home runs, second in stolen bases and near the top of the league in just about every other statistical category that you can think of. And it's another Monday as of the day recording this. So as is the case with just about every other Monday so far this year, the Patriots have had another MILB Eastern League player of the week. It's their second pitcher of the week, and this time it was the righty Randy Vasquez, who was just about unhittable his last time out in Altoona. He got the start on Friday night, pitched five and two-thirds, scoreless and hitless innings against the Altoona curve, struck out five batters in a no decision, but Vasquez was phenomenal. He comes out of the start with a 1.86 ERA and 17 strikeouts over 19 and a third innings pitched in five games started this year. Coming off a year where he led all Yankees minor leaguers in ERA with a 2.52 mark and 130 strikeouts and 107 and a third innings pitched in 23 games for Tampa, Hudson Valley, and the Patriots last year. So continuing an excellent start to his minor league career, he is the third Patriot to win Player of the Week honors this year. We mentioned the second pitcher. The first was Johnny Brito two weeks ago. And then, of course, Blake Perkins named Player of the Week for his contributions during the road trip in Hartford on April 26th. So three out of five weeks, the Patriots have taken home some of the hardware on this front to match the great record. And looking up and down the leaderboards for Somerset, Perkins, who we just mentioned, and while we're on the topic, still leads the team in batting average on base percentage, just about everything else, batting 275, the 385 on base percentage, continuing to lead not just the Patriots, but the Eastern League in slugging with a 663 slugging percentage and a 1048 OPS, also tops in the league. And he had a couple more doubles in his last game as of this recording. Saturday, two more doubles to make for 17 extra base hits this year. That's also tops in the Eastern League and topping all 
Yankees minor leaguers. And for Perkins, 22 total hits this year. 17 of them have gone for extra bases. So that's almost 80% of his hits going for extra bases. Just remarkable. And looking at some of the other team leaders, Anthony Volpe, despite the low batting average as of recently, continuing to get on base. 17 walks lead the team and his 14 stolen bases as he ended the series with stolen bases in back-to-back -back games. Also leads Somerset and Brandon Lockridge, 24 runs scored. Tops on the team, and that ranks third in the Eastern League. And also Derek Dietrich, a couple more home runs over the last road trip. His seven home runs and 18 runs batted in also lead the Patriots. So it has been a lot of contributions from a lot of different players up and down the roster. Really impressive stuff. And as we look back on the series in Altoona, it was a really hard-fought one. We came into it saying that it wasn't going to be a cakewalk. The Patriots were the first-place team in the, all of the Eastern League, and Altoona was the last-place team in the Southwest, but we knew it wasn't going to be easy because this was a Pirates-affiliated team with 12 of the organization's top 30 prospects, and that included last year's number one overall pick in the MLB draft, Henry Davis, made his double-A debut in the series opener last Tuesday, and he actually had a homer in his double-A debut to sink the Patriots in one of only two games they lost the entire series. Funny enough, the only two games they lost were the ones that Davis started in, but again, they were very close games all throughout. Series started with that loss on Tuesday night. Final score there was 4-3. to three. Then the Patriots rebounded with a 4-2 to two win, starting a string of four straight wins for Somerset, all in the series, where they had to come back from a deficit to take the lead from four come-from-behind wins. This one, they were down 2-0 entering the fifth inning, got a sack fly from Jesus Bastidas, and then also another sack fly to tie the game off the bat of Elijah Dunham in the eighth inning, and then Chad Bell, who will get to more of his heroics in a moment, but he was the first hero of the series, and in short, he was also the last. Again, we'll get to that in a moment, but Bell, a two-run single in the top of the ninth inning to give the Patriots a 4-2 lead on Wednesday afternoon. That was a morning game in Altoona. They came back the next night, and then I guess according to the margin of victory, the Patriots, with their most dominant win of the series, they won 7-2. That was one where they actually took the lead first, fell behind 2-1, and then it was a six-run scoring barrage, six unanswered runs from the sixth and seventh innings, including Derek Dietrich's sixth homer of the year. It traveled 457 feet off the bat, and Dietrich himself said that he thinks that's the furthest one he has ever hit in his pro baseball career. And again, he debuted before StatCast metrics and exit velocities and official home run distance was made official, but at least since they have become official, he thinks that that is one of the, if not the furthest he had hit. It was past the center field wall over the batter's eye to the right of the scoreboard and to the left of the big roller coaster that overlooks right field. Dietrich uh, got his first home run of the series. He would have another one later. More on that in just a second. Patriots did lose on Friday night. That was another game where they almost came from behind. They were down one to nothing. And then in the top of the ninth inning, back-to-back -back hits with two outs and nobody on. Brandon Lockridge doubled. Jason Rosario singled him in, tied the game at one. And Jason Rosario in that game also had three hits. It was his second three-hit game of the season. Only bad news for the Patriots was they did not advance their runner to start the 10th inning at second base, and they were walked off on Friday night. That was the second and final game they lost in the series. Again, the final score there was 2-1. to one. Patriots, though, rebounded with back-to-back -back wins for the second time in the series. That started with an 8-7 to seven decision where they fell down early on once again. one to nothing in the bottom of the first inning the next day. Jesus Bastidas with a double, and then Rodolfo Duran with his second homer of the year made the score 3-1, to one, but then the curve tied it, got it to 3-3, to three after Aaron Shackelford hit a home run, and then they took as much as a 6-3 lead. After the bottom of the fourth inning, Patriots were down, and that was when Derek Dietrich took over. Dietrich, chipping away, got a run back in the fifth inning on an RBI single, brought Anthony Volpe into score, and then Dietrich again homered. His seventh of the year to lead the Patriots, picked up his 18th RBI, also tops on the team. 
That got the Patriots to within a run, and then they took it to the ninth inning. Down 6-5, to five, and Max Burt led things off with his second homer of the year, the keynote of what ended being a three-run ninth inning, where the Patriots would need all three runs to score in order to win this game, because again, the final score was 8-7. to seven. Derek Dietrich got them the lead with a RBI double to bring home Anthony Volpe again. That made it 7-6, to six. and then Michael Beltre, who had a strong week excelling with runners in scoring position, made it 8-6 to six as he got a sack fly for Somerset, but then the curve scored a run in the bottom of that inning, and the Patriots were able to hang on, Nick Ernst earning the save there, and Josh Maciejewski, the lefty, earned his first win of the season in four and a third's scoreless innings, a really underrated part of that win, because again, the Patriots were down 6-3, to three. that was when Maciejewski took over, and he held them scoreless until he left the game, so really impressive stuff there, and then the Patriots offense went off on Sunday afternoon, 12 runs, their second most in a game this year. Ken Waldachuk earned his fourth win of the season. Five innings pitched, he gave up only one earned run, two total on six hits and six strikeouts. So not quite the 12 strikeouts and five hitless innings his last time out, but he looked great once again. There were six runs given up by Steven Jennings, but then a couple of scoreless innings pitched to end the game by Kyle Zurak and Derek Kraft to lock that one down. Patriots were up as much as 12-3 to in that game. They scored multiple runs in three separate innings, two in the fifth, five in the sixth, and four in the seventh, and then gave up those five in the seventh inning as well. That made the final score of the game 12-8, to and if you look at the box score in that game, that was a fun one to watch because the Patriots had three more home runs, one off the bat of Chad Bell, one off the bat of Oliver Dunn. It was his first of the season. And then Jason Rosario also hit his second home run of the season as both the eight and nine batters in the order, Bell and Dunn, racked up four runs batted in, tied for the most of any Patriot this year. Michael Beltre with three hits as well. Jason Rosario with another multi-hit game. And he carries a 12-game on-base streak into the Reading series. So Rosario, the longest on-base streak of any Patriot this year, heading into this upcoming weekend's games. But then again, I mentioned Chad Bell would be the story at the beginning of this series for the Patriots' first win, and he was the story of it again. His second four-hit game of the year. He's the only Patriot with a four-hit game this year, and he's got two of them, and they were both in the Patriots' highest run-scoring outputs of the season. Again, the 12 runs on Sunday and the 15 runs on April 28th when he also had a four-hit performance. He put the Patriots up 1-0 with his third homer of the season, top of the third inning, and then in the bottom of the fourth inning, Patriots ended up giving those runs back, fell behind 2-1, so it was another come-from-behind victory. Bell then tied the game with his second RBI of it, singled on a ground ball to score Derek Dietrich. Anthony Volpe gave the Patriots their final lead of the game. That made it 3-2, but again, the final score of this game was 12-8, so they would need to do a whole lot more scoring, and that's when it all started. Again, the Patriots had a five-run sixth inning, Michael Beltre single, another Chad Bell base hit with a runner in scoring position, and Oliver Dunn picked up an RBI on a fielder's choice. Anthony Volpe, by the way, also had a stolen base in this game, and Oliver Dunn had two, so the Patriots continuing to be aggressive on the bases. Patriots did seed again five runs in the seventh inning, but it was one where they scored four runs in the top of that inning on the homers from Jason Rosario and Oliver Dunn. But Chad Bell, we mentioned it, we would talk about him again, and let's do it. Again, the four hits. But most importantly, he has just excelled with runners in scoring position this year. 12 hits and 24 at-bats. That is half the time. He's tied for the fourth most hits with runners in scoring position this year in the Eastern League. And he's got fewer at-bats and fewer games played than every player above him or tied with him on that list. So extremely impressive stuff by Bell who is having a breakout third season in the minor leagues. And that about tells the story. Again, 21-11 and 11 now, 10 games over 500, and entering the Reading series on May 17th. Two and a half games over second place, the Hartford Yard Goats, who they split with earlier this year. So we'll see what happens as Reading actually comes in pretty hot, but more on them later. 
Let's first get to know our new media relations intern, Eli Fishman. And again, he is going to be contributing as one of our content creators. He's contributed to Pinstripe Prospects, the Yes Network, Prospects 1500, covering the Patriots as well since he was a teenager, going back to the Atlantic League days. He's been to over 100 games at TD Bank Ballpark, and he's going to be chipping in on social media, putting together quick hitting videos, doing some in-game hits on the broadcast, lots of written content as well that you'll see, and really just helping out in a lot of different ways from our content and media standpoints with the Somerset Patriots. So, Eli, really bright young guy. He's only 18 years old, and he's been covering the Yankees minor league system since he was 11. Grew up a Yankee fan, and that was one of the first things I wanted to ask him about was just to introduce himself a little bit about him and how exciting it is to go work for a team now that he has covered for so many years in an organization that he grew up rooting for in the Yankees. Yeah, thank you for having me, and I'm excited to be a part of the team. Obviously, been covering it for a while, covering the Yankee system. You know, know so many of these guys personally from so many years, and now I'm joining the AA team for with the Patriots, especially since I've been covering them for so long, since, you know, they were an indie ball team, and they've gone through so much stuff, so many changes. You know, the, the new ballpark, or the same ballpark, but new clubhouses, um, new new walls, just just so many different changes, um, and now it's great to see them become the Yankees AA affiliate. And, and a little about me, I think you you cover a lot of it. Been covering the Yankees system and the Patriots for a while um, from Maplewood, New Jersey, so right around here. And yeah, pumped to join the team. And Eli also just a great wealth of knowledge on the Yankees minor league system. So I wanted to ask him about all the different prospects that we're seeing on this Patriots team this year. I started by asking about the number one prospect, Anthony Volpe, but we got onto a full-on conversation with a lot of the top prospects on this team per MLB pipeline and also got into some guys that maybe we'll see in Somerset by the end of the year. But once again, I started this first leg of the conversation by asking him about Anthony Volpe. I mean, there's a lot to know. And watching him on the field, I feel like his personality, the way he plays, the game definitely shows you a lot about him um, and really everything there is to know he's kind of a, a quiet laid-back guy but he's the kind of guy that gives it his all you know is uh, it shows a lot of emotion on the field for sure and in terms of the skill level you can definitely see it you can definitely see it in so many facets and in, in everything he does a little bit of a slow start to the season but He's putting the ball in play a lot. He's hitting the ball hard. I think the Yankees organization is definitely happy about the progress he's made. And the biggest thing that I always say is he's a small guy, right? 5'10", 5'11", not, not super muscular, not a big guy at, any, at, at all. This guy hit 27 home runs last year. When you look at him and you stand next to him, it's, it's crazy. And the fact that he's hitting a ball, I want to say he maxed out 111 miles per hour exit velocity in the Yankees organization loves to look at the, the exit velo that's something they pride themselves in um says a lot about him as a player the, the way he uses his, his entire body to get into this get into a swing and provide that power the way he plays defense the way he's worked on his arm completely because i know that was a, a big topic of discussion for over the past couple years can he stay at shortstop is his arm good enough and he worked his tail off this offseason and i know you've seen it he's got a great arm at shortstop and now looks like even more like a defensive shortstop and overall you know he he has when you watch a game you can tell that he's he's that guy he is that guy and i want to get to some of the other top prospects on this team that maybe get a little bit less attention because of course the high profile that anthony volpe brings to the table but 
Specifically in the outfield, you've got a couple of other top prospects in Brandon Lockridge, who is MLB Pipeline's number 18 prospect, and you've got Elijah Dunham, who is toward the lower end of the top 30 as well. But those two guys have hit the ball real hard as well this year. I think that when you look at their hard hit rate and their exit velocities, they're, they're hitting the ball in play and they're hitting it hard. There's two things you just mentioned. But what do those two guys bring to the table from what you've seen? Two guys that are going to run the bases really well, put the ball in play, play a heck of an outfield. Both have great arms. Um, and specifically looking at the speed, you got two guys in Lockridge and Dunham who, who fly through the bases. That baseball IQ is definitely something you look at, look at on the field. And you think, talk about those four outfielders, Jason Rosario, Lockridge, Dunham, and obviously Blake Perkins, who's having such, such an insane start to his Yankees career, such a talented outfield. And those are all four guys that have a shot. And I think all four of them may likely be in the big leagues with some team at some point in the next few years. And Perkins, I'm glad you brought him up because he is, as we enter the sixth week of the season, the Eastern League leader in both slugging percentage and OPS still, as he had that crazy stretch in Hartford and cooled down a little bit, but he still sustained the numbers. And almost 80% of his hits this year have been for extra bases, which has been remarkable. But just to bring that up in the sense that he's a very under-the-radar guy that not a lot of people were expecting to do what he's done in his first year with the Yankees organization. Looking at this roster up and down, are there any other names that you're really intrigued to see that you have not seen in person yet that's a tough question. I think I've seen every guy in person, but um, Andres Chaparro, he's, uh, he's on the injured list now, but he does not get enough love. We're talking about a guy that has the power he does, 118 mile per hour exit velocity, got to go back to it, um, and a guy that hits 270. You almost never see that combination of his ability to put the ball in play, hit the ball to all parts of the field, and hit the ball 450 feet. Um, he's such an exciting player, making good strides at third base and first base defensively as well. Has worked really hard on that. Just overall a really fun guy. Great personality off the field as well. Um, I'm really excited to hear being able to see him play day in and day out. Absolutely. And he has had a fun year coming off the career highs and just about everything you could have career highs in last year. And another guy that's made really big strides defensively this year that also is near the team lead in home runs is Josh Bro, one of the top catching prospects in the organization, a former second round pick of the Yankees. And it's a very crowded backstop here in, in Somerset where you've got Josh Bro, Mickey Gasper, Saul Torres, and Rodolfo Duran. But Josh Bro, of course, going to get the bulk of the playing time. And what have you seen from Josh Bro in your years covering him? The power is just, you say it again, it's, it's insane. Um, he's, he's a catcher that does sacrifice maybe some contact for power a little bit, but when he gets a hold of one, he really does. It, it goes very far. Um, and I think the Yankees have loved the strides he's made defensively. Um, I think it's no secret that he wasn't necessarily the best of defensive prospects. The Yankees have a couple guys defensively catching-wise that there have been questions, can they stay behind the plate? Josh Bro is definitely one of those guys. And this year, at least through the first few weeks, he's definitely solidified himself. I am a catcher. I can make these adjustments. I can handle my pitching staff. Guys love throwing to him. He's one of the favorite guys in the system um, to go catch a bullpen. And I think that says a lot about the efforts he's made and his ability to you know, progress over time. And a former pitcher himself, too. He pitched in college, and they said he's not going to do any pitching uh, in the Yankees organization, thankfully. And it's worked out real well for him. But Let's dig into the pitchers, too, because we've had some really, really fun guys on this staff this year, which has been in the top five of minor league baseball and earned run average basically the entire year. 
Let's start with Randy Vasquez because he's the big newsworthy name right now. Which just named the Eastern League Pitcher of the Week coming out of this week. And he is the second player to be named the Pitcher of the Week off the Patriots staff out of five weeks throughout the season so far. So Randy, of course, is a, he's the spin king. The RPMs on his two secondary pitches, the curveball and slider, are over 3,000 RPMs. And uh, what have you seen from Randy Vasquez at this point in his career? I mean, you said it, the spin rate. He's just one of those guys that when he gets to the big leagues, he's going to be on Pitching Ninja every single time he pitches. Uh, the curveball just falls off the table. Change up a lot of late life, moving inside to a right-handed hitter. The complete opposite of his curveball, which is a little bit slider-like, um, completely falls off the table. And then he doesn't throw insanely hard, but still low mid-90s fastball that he's able to dial up, uses completely that up in the zone. Um, his biggest problem has been the control and his command and maybe a couple too many walks than he would like. And this year especially, and especially you know towards the end of last year when he made it up to um, double-A at that at the end of last season after starting all the way in low A, uh, which, which is always impressive when you can climb three levels in the course of three months and says a lot about him. Um, his command has definitely improved, improved recently and it's continuing to improve throughout the season and throughout his career. So you talk about that three-pitch combo of three filthy pitches that Melvin uh, move in three completely separate directions with some of the best spin rate in minor league baseball. I think there's definitely special talent there. Hey, Patriots fans, TD Bank knows life is full of curveballs, so they've got hours that make banking a breeze. Stop by a TD store early or late for friendly faces ready to help. Download the TD Bank app so you bank anytime, anywhere, or give them a call for live customer service 24-7. Unexpectedly convenient, unexpectedly human. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots since 1999. Member FDIC, TD Bank N.A. Another guy that's really making a name for himself this year and is becoming one of the really quick risers in this Yankee organization is Johnny Brito, who was the first Patriots pitcher to win Pitcher of the Week this year. And in Baseball America's rankings, he actually jumped up from being unranked or at least number 37 out of their top 40. So not in the top 30, but into the top 25 now. He's ranked number 24 by Baseball America. And there's good reason for that. A guy who threw seven innings and gave up only one hit a couple of starts ago here in Somerset. Really one of the under-the-radar prospects that maybe doesn't get some of the recognition that somebody like Randy Vasquez does. But I think that he's going to start turning some heads here pretty soon. Yeah, absolutely. And looking throughout his career, a big reason he hasn't gotten that necessarily attention, he doesn't strike out a lot of guys. He's, he's a guy who's his K per nine is right there around 9-10. Doesn't necessarily blow guys away. Doesn't have any... Any pitches like Randy Vasquez that's going to get him on pitching ninja, or like Luis Medina that's going to be, you know, 98, 99 miles per hour. He's not going to blow guys away, but he's a little bit of a finesse guy that uses his command, uses that precise spot in the zone to his advantage. His ground ball rate last year was 62, 63%, something absurd. Um, and he's definitely used that command to his advantage. And this year, the strikeout numbers have jumped up a little bit too. Um, making use of that command and the curveball has definitely improved a lot of the last couple of years. And we can't talk Yankees pitching prospects without talking about Ken Waldachuk, number six prospect in the organization. And what he has done here has been phenomenal. Five hitless innings with 12 strikeouts in his last home start. But what are some of the best tools that he brings to the table? Man, there's a lot. You think about the command, again, a guy that almost doesn't allow any walks and his ability to pretty much put the ball anywhere in the zone that he wants at a precise location. The curveball is obviously gross. Change up. Um, the fastball is another guy, another guy that doesn't throw it necessarily insanely hard, 
but the location as well as a very high spin rate curve um, fastball, excuse me, that allows him to, to be so dominant. Um, he works quickly, mixes up his, his delivery a little bit. Just the funky lefty definitely helps with the deception. Um, he's going to be a big help for the Yankees, potentially even at some point this year at the big league level. Uh, fans should definitely be excited about him. Um, just, just everything about Waldachuk stands out, his ability to, to do everything on the mound. One more other top prospect that's on this rotation, Luis Medina, the guy who's known, of course, for his fastball and on the opposite end of Waldachuk has struggled with his control a lot early in his career, including this year, but a guy that has been one of the Yankees' top prospects by Baseball America and MLB Pipeline for the last five years in a row, and that's a perfect glimpse of the ceiling he has as a prospect, despite not really hitting his strides completely yet. But I'm excited to see what it's going to look like when Luis Medina finally does put it all together. Yeah, I think you said it. You know, we talk about a guy with, with a wipeout curveball that breaks ankles. You know, last year I think he was facing George Valera, who's now one of the top prospects for the Cleveland Guardians, threw a ball that bounced in front of his back foot um, and completely swung through it, fell on the ground. You know, his, his curveball is gross. And then 97 to 99 with the fastball, you just don't see that. You don't see that. Um, the scoreboard gun was off a little bit here last year, and he was a uh, 107 to 109 according <laughs> to the scoreboard. So even though inaccurate, it does tell you he's a flamethrower. He's a guy that brings the heat. He has the best pure stuff in the, the Yankee system, and I don't even think it's close. The only thing is, as you mentioned, that command, it's definitely improved. There's definitely a long way to go. But when he figures it out, he's been working extremely hard with with Casa Diego, um, Sam Breen, the, the director of pitching for the Yankees farm system, has been really working hands-on with Medina. Um, Pedro Martinez actually has been working a lot with Luis Medina over over the past couple of years because the word has gotten out that you know Medina's a guy that looks up to Pedro Martinez, loves him. They wound up training together a little bit in the Dominican Republic over the past couple of off-seasons. And you think about the, the combination of everything I just said, when he figures it out, I mean he's going to skyrocket to the big leagues and he's going to be a star in the big leagues. At RWJ Barnabas Health, we have a passion for heart health with the largest adult and pediatric cardiac surgery programs in the state, a heart transplant program that's top 15 in the nation, a partnership with Rutgers Health, the latest technology and medical advancements and nationally renowned care for every heart in every one of our communities. Whoever your heart beats for, our hearts beat for you. Let's be healthy together. Visit rwjbh.org slash heart. So that was the first part of our conversation. Again, we touched on a lot of the top prospects, Luis Medina, Ken Waldachuk, and then on the hitting end, a lot of the top 30 guys, including Josh Bro, Brandon Lockridge, everybody in between. So it was a great conversation to hear what Eli's perspective was on a lot of these really talented players that we had seen this year in Somerset. And then the second leg of this conversation, I went on to ask him about some faces we would see in Hudson Valley because he actually covered a few games in Hudson Valley before starting his internship with the Patriots earlier in the week. But I asked him about that later on. The first thing I asked him about was his relationship with the coaching staff here in Somerset, because it's a pretty interesting one. You've got, of course, Dan Fiorito, who's the manager, and that entire staff in Hudson Valley with him last year included Jake Hurst, the hitting coach, Gerardo Casadiego, the pitching coach, and Aaron Bossy, the defensive coach, to round out that field staff for the Patriots in 2022. And I first asked Eli about Fio and his relationship with the Patriots manager for this year, and he had a fun anecdote to share to start up this conversation. And also, I did go on to ask him about his career and his aspirations. That's at the end of the interview, but first, he goes into this anecdote about when he first met Dan Fiorito. One of my first interviews with an active professional baseball player, I think it was 2016, 2017, minor league spring training. 
Dan Fiorito was a high A player for the New York Yankees organization. Um, so that makes me feel really old that he's now a manager who I, who I can't wait to work with, can't wait to cover. But I interviewed him when he was still climbing through the organization um, as a player. And he's a guy that you know played with Aaron Judge, played with Sanchez and Torres and Severino and all these guys coming through the organization. So I think that's a great story in itself. Bossy's been involved. I've known him forever. He's been involved in the organization for a while. Played a couple years as a catcher in the um, Gulf Coast League with the rookie ball. Then released, and the Yankees said, "We want, you know, we love what you bring to the table. We want you to stay here." And I think his title—I don't remember exactly what it was. It was like something made up, director of off the field operations, something for the Gulf Coast League team where there's really not many off-the-field operations. He was kind of just helping with the day-to-day. He ran the music, actually, at the complex for a little bit, did that kind of stuff. Eventually, you know, oversaw making sure guys in their rehab process were throwing at the right distances, that kind of stuff. And his personality and how great of a coach he is and his baseball mind helped him work the way up his, his way up the organization. He's been working really closely with this whole group of young catchers, you know, Anthony Siegler, Austin Wells, Josh Bro, all these young catchers that are very talented in this organization, he's become one of their mentors and one of the guys that's working really, really closely with them. And last year, he was, you know, he worked really closely specifically with Bro and has throughout Bro's entire career after they were at the same levels as where Bo, uh, Bossy was coaching and Bro was playing for um, Bro's first season in the minors in 2018. So him coming up here definitely is a testament to his hard work in, in terms of bossy and his connection with Josh Bro, which is going to continue. Uh, Gerardo Casadiego obviously has done a tremendous job with this pitching staff. You know, every guy you talk to, who's helped you out, what's helped you out, they say Casa. Casa's my guy. That's what, that's what they all say. And, and Jake Hurst is, is another young guy with not very much experience, but the, the baseball knowledge and what he's been able to learn from Joe Migliaccio and Dylan Lawson as a young guy when the whole organization revamped their player development staff back in 2019. I don't know how old Hurst is, but he's very, very young, looks very, very young. Um, and the fact that he only has you know one or two years of professional coaching, only a couple of collegiate coaching, and he's a double-A coach with the Yankees and, and a guy that all these guys really look to definitely says a lot about that. But overall, a fun staff, such a young staff too, so definitely excited to work with them and, and see what they can shape, not just these guys, but this entire Yankee system is filled with a lot of really, really talented coaches, a lot of guys that came from driveline, a lot of young guys with new school experience, so excited to see how it all plays out. I don't want to jump off the on-field subject without talking about some names we might see in Somerset pretty soon, because you actually, before you started here with the Patriots, you were in Hudson Valley for a few days and got to see a few games over there, and that's also a really, really talented team this year with names up and down the roster, but who are some guys we're going to get up from Hudson Valley by the end of the year? The first name that I'm going to say is the name that nobody expects, and his name is Will Warren. So um, in an interview with Yes Network that um, Sam Breen, the director of pitching for the Yankees system, did well before the season, he was asked, who are some under-the-radar guys? And he, like, jumped Will Warren. And that was, you know, something that I caught on to, did a lot of research, was prepared, went to spring training, interviewed him, and then the next day got to see him pitch for the first time. And he's one of, your, one of those guys that you just watch pitch and you're like, this guy is going to be an all-star in the big league level. And he's going to be in the big leagues in the next 365 days, 100%. Um, he's, 
he was drafted last year, didn't even make his pro debut last year because they wanted him to put on some weight. He came in, I don't remember the exact weight, but he was so skinny, and they worked for the remainder of the season, didn't throw, just packed on muscle, got in the weight room, um, gained a lot of muscle, looks a lot better, throwing a lot harder, definitely impressed um, at spring training and obviously in the last year. He didn't make his professional debut. He played three years of college at a very, very small school in Louisiana, and he made his professional debut in high A. The Yankees are known to not be aggressive with their with their promotions. Um, are definitely very cautious. Definitely wait and, until the moment is right. And the fact that he started in high A says a lot. And the fact that he has a, I think it's a two three nine ERA there right now says even more. With with Warren, he's you know had close to a dozen strikeouts in half of his outings so far, and and is just really impressed. Um, and then the next guy is obviously Austin Wells hitting. 400 in his last month of the season hitting 330 throughout the course of the season i mean just a guy where you talk about warren's pitching you look at his bat austin wells and you see him play and he has a big league bat 100 percent gonna impact make a big impact in whatever lineup he's in the yankees may be waiting a little bit to, to for the defense to come around so i don't know how soon we'll see him um, but I think it'll be pretty soon. Uh, and, and overall, that pitching staff there um, in Hudson Valley is, is really impressive. Edgar Barclay and Carson Coleman are two other guys. Barclay is a kind of a little lefty with an awkward delivery, doesn't throw very hard, makes guys look silly. And Carson Coleman is a guy who comes out sitting 96, 97 miles per hour at a young age with serious late life on his fastball and then a gross slider that falls off the table. So those are two guys, Barkley and Coleman, out of the bullpen that I think we'll see up, see here very soon. It's been fun talking about a lot of the prospects, but I want to dig more into you. You grew up a Yankee fan, of course. Tell me about when you fell in love with baseball, when you started to consider making it a career. Man, that's tough. Um, the, the, the career path's been a little bit crazy, but um always been a yankee fan and i guess at some point i i I knew i wanted to go or forever i knew i've wanted to go into the the media world and my story is i went to uh scene hall university which is i literally live a half mile from the campus and the baseball stadium and just went up and started filming the games started interviewing players started doing you know mock broadcasts from the stands all that and um you know loved that post made a made my own website youtube channel all that kept growing that and eventually started covering the Staten Island Yankees a little bit when they were the Yankees affiliate um and eventually the Somerset Patriots when they were when they were an indie ball team and um I grew grew up in in this ballpark and got to you know hang out with Andy Chavez and you know Robert Andino and let's see Matt Gamble and John Hunton and all these all these big time names in in the baseball world um, which which definitely helped so much, and I learned so much from from that team. And obviously, the off the field staff here in this front office has been such a big help. And then from for the last few years, because this front office and this team has been so welcoming, this has been you know pretty much my home. And as I said, when when I woke up to a text message from a friend and, and a million notifications that the Somerset Patriots were the Yankees AA affiliate, obviously turned my world upside down. And obviously now house has for the better and has completely changed everything and it was months before that baseball america obviously published the article you know what what teams were going to be gone here are a couple teams you might see somerset patriots were one and i'm like yeah somerset patriots come on and then you know, a few months later it happened and it was 
it was awesome and has definitely been life changing. And, um, you know, thank you to this organization for everything they've done and, and how welcoming they've been. And then who are some guys that you maybe take inspiration from when it comes to working in sports media? You talk about prospects quickly rising through their system like Will Warren and Anthony Volpe. You're quickly rising through the media ranks. Who are some guys that you grew up taking inspiration from and maybe you still look up to and maybe model yourself off of? Um, growing up as a Yankee fan, obviously listening to Michael Kay, um, Kenny Singleton is, is definitely a hero of mine and absolutely love him in the booth. Ryan Rucco as well uh, is definitely someone I look up to, you know, grew up listening to, to John Sterling and, and Susan Wallman. And I feel like I definitely model my broadcast style after theirs in the booth, um, especially Susan as, as a color commentator and the way she tells stories. I love that and work that into my broadcast style a lot from listening to them so much uh love bob costas he's the the voice of the game for me um in in so many ways and yeah all all of those people definitely for sure but especially all the minor league broadcasters that that i've come across mark schwartz and justin antwell were were preceded you here and, and growing up you know working with them listening to them um, you know, so many John Vitas, who who does some Florida State League stuff now, and is a Northeast guy, and someone I've gotten to work with. I know you work with the Rays radio booth too, and and Dave Willis, Andy Freed, um, and Neil Solons are people. Neil Solons from the same hometown as me, went to the same high school. So I've no, I've met them personally, and have always loved listening to them. One of my favorite booths, obviously the Mets booth is 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 incredible. So pretty much just taking things from everyone one more person is greg amsinger for mlb tonight is is one of my favorites so just so many people that love listening to and so many of these minor league broadcasters that have helped me perfect my craft along the way what is the ultimate end goal so at the moment the plan i graduate in may 2025 so i think i'll I'll wait you know a few months but then for starting 2026 i'm gonna be the yankees head play-by-play broadcaster so that's the plan that's ey fishman i'm steven cusimano thank you so much for joining us and and we'll be having many conversations with you throughout the year all right thank you so much and look looking forward to it so that was my conversation with eli fishman again really bright young guy joining our media relations department as an intern and i am really really excited to see what he brings to the table along with the rest of our really talented media interns, Sean Nadkarni, Gabriella Kleckner, and Henry Clarahue. Really excited for this year, and you're not going to want to miss all the great content that we're pumping out at Somerset Patriots and at SOM Patriots on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and everywhere in between. Also download the app. We're going to have some great content on all fronts this year, and it's a really talented and fun Patriots team to watch. And so let's get into this upcoming series. It's against the Reading Fight and Phil's. The same team that the Patriots opened their season with. Somerset taking two out of three games on the first weekend of the season at Reading. And it's a team that's kind of been buried in the depths of the Eastern League for most of the year. But they entered this series with Somerset on as hot a streak as they've been on all season long. Coming in with a record of 16-17, and 17, which is their high watermark on the season. Five and a half games out of first place now, which is good for third in the Eastern League after they had been fighting for fifth, sixth, and fourth right around that range throughout the first half of this portion of the season. And entering the sixth week, they have really caught fire. Four straight wins over the Bowie Bay Sox to end their series at their home ballpark where they actually had walk-off wins in three straight games. So this is going to be a very tough team to contend with. 
and they are highlighted by Logan Ohapi, who is the highest-ranked prospect in the Phillies organization that's on this roster, the number five prospect. And so far this year, he's got three home runs with a 253 batting average and a 793 OPS. He's the main player to watch for a team that, again, they've been kind of in that middle to lower part of the Eastern League all year, but they're not really known for lighting up the stat sheets like the Patriots have on either side of the ball. Redding coming into this series with a 221 average, that's 10th in the Eastern League, and their ERA also 10th in the Eastern League with a mark of 4.97, but pretty much in the bottom half of the league in every pitching and hitting category where Somerset is on the inverse of that top five in just about every pitching and hitting category. So it'll be interesting to see how things match up. Again, the Patriots had the dominant series to open out the season, came just one inning shy of actually sweeping that series, but they were walked off on with a blown save in the bottom of the ninth inning on that Sunday game. Nonetheless, did take two of three there. So it's going to be a fun weekend at TD Bank Ballpark in Bridgewater, and it's going to start Tuesday, 6.05 first pitch, not 6.35, 6.05 first pitch. It's going to be a Tops Tuesday. It's also going to be Martial Arts Night and Educators Appreciation Night. And then the next day will be one of our day games, 11.05 a.m. There will be Baseball Bingo and STEM Education Day, which is going to be really fun and a huge crowd expected on that Wednesday afternoon. So it's going to be a really cool one. Thursday night, we're going to give away pennants to the first 2,000 fans. So you're not going to want to miss that one. And you can get your tickets to all these games at SomersetPatriots.com. There's also going to be a couple of other exciting promotions that night. There's going to be a beer tasting event that's going to be really cool. All kinds of local craft beers that you're going to be able to taste if you get your specialized ticket at SomersetPatriots.com, including Glenbrook Brewery Beers, which is going to be a really fun one. It's also going to be one of our unused ticket exchange days where fans can redeem any unused ticket or voucher from the 2022 season for this game at the box office, another Educators Appreciation Night, and then also Tyler's Amazing Balancing Act will make its way to Somerset, and then Friday night, fireworks. It's also going to be our second Copa night where the Patriots become the Zoros de Somerset and lots of Latin-themed festivities around the ballpark. That's going to be a very fun one. And then the big one, Armed Forces Weekend kicks off Saturday with a 635 first pitch, and it ends on Sunday with a 105 first pitch. Some really exciting and emotional tributes going to take place. There will be fireworks at the Saturday game. Minor League Baseball is going to celebrate the men and women who serve our nation, and the Patriots are a huge part of that. Again, starting with Saturday and then Veterans of America Day, ending MILB Armed Forces Weekend, as there will be a really, really touching tribute. Special pregame ceremony at 12 o'clock p.m. I would make sure you're in your seat by that time on Sunday afternoon, and kids can run the bases afterwards. That's also going to be a really fun one because... The first 2,000 fans will receive t-shirts, so really exciting things happening in Bridgewater. A talented baseball team, really fun prospects to watch, and awesome things happening at the ballpark. Subscribe, follow, like the podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in at SOM Patriots and at Somerset Patriots on every social media platform that you can think of. And if by some chance you cannot make it to these games, definitely tune in. We're on MILB.TV and Fox Sports New Jersey, 93.5 FM, 1450 AM. And I'll let you in on a little secret. For MILB.TV, if you use the promo code PATRIOTS at checkout, you can save $10 on a yearly subscription. So visit MILB.TV for details. That'll get you the entire year's worth of Patriots baseball if you're somehow not able to make it to the game, or even if you want to watch while the team's on the road. So I couldn't recommend that more. You can get a discount by applying the discount code PATRIOTS at checkout. Huge thanks to Eli Fishman for joining me as the subject on this week's podcast. It was really great getting to know him as well as the rest of the new members of our media relations team. And I'm excited to see the effort put forth. And for all of us here at the Somerset Patriots in the media department and beyond, I'm Stephen Cusimano saying so long and thank you for tuning in. And we will see you at the ballpark this week.